0: Hi there, dear listeners. Welcome back to For Real. I'm Kim Stewart, your fellow snort laugher and avoider of small talk. And it's my joy to invite you to eavesdrop on a conversation I had recently with Sarah Bragg. Sarah is a Tennessee girl, a mom of two, and the host of the Surviving Sarah podcast. She's also the author of a new book that tackles all the questions that keep us up at night, especially as we sally forth into midlife I think you'll love this candid and practical conversation with my friend, Sarah Bragg. Sarah Bragg, thank you for joining me on For Real. It's so good to have you back. You're a repeat offender.
1: I am. I'm surprised I got invited back. No, I'm just
0: kidding. (gasps) I'm I'm surprised you said yes twice. That's always. Are you kidding? (laughs) I still remember the first
1: time you emailed me to be on Surviving Sarah. Yes, all those years ago. Yes, and I thought you were so funny in your email. And wow. I was
0: like, "Yes, of course! Like I can already tell that I'm going to like you." And sure you enough, are I did. very kind. Well, I'll tell you what. Now I have my own darn podcast, and I get those emails, yep. and I think, "Oh my gosh! God bless Sarah Bragg for having <laughs> me on her <laughs> podcast when I just cold emailed you." So yes. you you extended the initial kindness, so I appreciate that. Um, I'm super excited to talk with you today for a host of reasons. One of them is that you have a new book coming out. It's called, Is Everyone Happier Than Me? An Honest Guide to the Questions That Keep You Up at Night. Number one, I love the cover. It's so pretty. It's a very lovely cover. And number two, I'm just going to ask you right off the bat about this stage of life. Um, that has prompted you to write an entire book about it. Okay. So yes. tell our audience, those of, for, for those who aren't familiar with where you are, what you're doing, you have written books, you host a successful podcast, you parent teens, you have a lot of roles that you yes. spin. So what is it like to be you these days? And why has this particular stage these days prompted you to write this book? Oh, man.
1: I feel like it's funny. I just had like, you know, a doctor's appointment this morning and, and she was, we were talking about things. I was like, well, I was like, I can't tell if this medicine is helping or if I'm just like, I am so busy and that I'm just like willing myself to where she's like, oh, what's the like topic of your book? And we started talking and she was like, oh my goodness,
0: this is just where we all are. We are all, she pre-ordered on the spot. Yeah, she's,
1: she's like, so can I pre-order today? And I'm like, yes, go ahead. So it's just, I mean, if like busy but bored resonates with this like you just don't even have time to like you're like who am I anymore what do I like do I matter does anybody like me I just found myself asking these questions at night when another uh, identifier of this stage of life is you just wake up at like 3 a.m like every night and I don't know why and I wake up and then I just start thinking and it's like my brain is doing aerobics at night. And it's just like, this is when I, you know, work out the best. It's 3 a.m. And I'm just going to think and think and think. <laughs> Ugh, and you think about conversations you had and you're like, well, no wonder nobody likes me. That was just terrible. I don't oh know why gosh. I think I'm anything, you know. And so that this that's the season I'm in where I'm so busy, you know, shuttling kids around from thing to thing, trying to, you know, I don't know have some sense of success in work, some sense of meaning in what I do, um, whether that's in work or just in life. And I just feel like we're just kind of bumping up into a lot of walls where like, you know, I was telling my doctor, I was like, you know, in our twenties and even into our thirties, we're just sort of bright eyed and bushy tailed. And like, you know, the future is all in front of us, you know, and we're so like driven, And then you start approaching 40 or getting into your forties and you're just going, huh. So I don't really want to think about that future because that future feels like the end. And I don't want that. Maybe this is a true Enneagram three speaking on that, but I just, you know, I just wanted go more and you're going, is this it? Like I've done all this work or I've, you know, lived this life and is this it? Like, is this all that I've been doing? Um, And so realizing what prompted all of this was just feeling that sense of unhappiness, kind of unsettled and discontent and wanting to figure out how to find a little bit of happiness and have a sense of connection and peace and contentment in this season of life, Mm. right where I am.
0: Yeah. Um, I love the 3 a.m. aerobics idea. There's something that's happening in my own body at that time, and I'm so confused um, because I usually am a very sound sleeper, and I've noticed that as well, that it's almost like if I don't have the time to process things, my life, my whatever's happening in our home and in my heart and my head during the day, my body will just decide, well, listen, since you didn't take the time in waking hours, 3 a.m. is a wonderful time for you to revisit absolutely every part of your existence, which is so, um, not only fatiguing the next day, I get instantly anxious that I'm not sleeping.
1: Yes. yes. Okay, and oh, then, then gosh, you start doing the math on like, I'm not going to get hours? sleep. Yes. How
0: many hours? Yep. I'm yes. actually totally a weirdo when I sleep. I wear, um, earplugs because i'm super sound sensitive. And so i hope if anyone needs to get a hold of me, you have access to mark because i won't hear you. <laughs> um and then also i um i can't look at the clock when i wake up because of the math. Yes. Yes. So i think you're not alone. I know i'm not alone. I think i'm sure part of that is just like the shifting hormones and things like that just what we're doing biologically. But You hone in on what you've been talking about publicly and and in your book, you hone in on a few things that are conspiring (laughs) to kind of make this season of life feel um, less meaningful or less fulfilling than they could be. And one of the places you start right off is the idea of comparison. I wholeheartedly agree that um, comparison is messing with us. Mm-hmm. We are not just comparing ourselves to the Joneses. Remember when our parents would say that? Yeah. Keeping up yeah. with the Joneses. It's right, <laughs> Whatever. The Joneses are like one of 8 million feeds. Yes. <laughs> I can just like yes. pull up at all times. The Joneses are like exponentially more. So yeah. talk to me about comparison and what it's costing us.
1: Oh my goodness. It's costing us so much peace. I'll tell you that right now, you know, you, you pull in, you, you're hitting the nail on the head. I mean, no longer is it, you have to, you know, we used to compare, you know, maybe our neighbor, like, cause it's the right. the closest in proximity. Oh, their house is this and my house is that. And now you just have everybody to compare to you. And, and not only that, I'm 45 years old. And then I'll scroll and I'll see a twenty-five year old, and she's you know teaching whatever about like her body and how to like stay fit, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, and I'm like, wait, 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 <laughs> like, my body is different than her body. I've had right. I've had babies. I've right. had
0: like hormone. Like, there's just so much. Like, I've had I- twenty-five more years of gravity. Yes, I mean it's yes. going to be different.
1: Yeah, yeah. I my instinct is to go. We are the same. Uh, We are two like beings that should mm. be compared. And if she's coming out better, I need to figure out how to, you know, make that happen for myself. Well, then that just spins me out. And I'm like, well, I've been trying and it's not working because, well, you know what? It just isn't. And it's not, it's not possible. Like you said, 25 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and so all I find myself is that I'm instead of like, I wish that, and I, I wish that social media was like what Kathleen Kelly predict you know what she experienced and you've got me out where she's just like like looking at that screen with such hope and like oh my gosh i'm just going to connect with the world it's just not like that anymore i don't i don't leave social media feeling like that i usually leave with sort of a sense of dread and feeling less than and it's because i sat and i compared and looked and go well maybe if i had a home like this or if i could decorate like that or if my you know or if I was funny like that, like, I mean, I love to laugh. That's one of the things I love to do, but I think, gosh, man, how did they figure that out? If I could have just figured out how to be funny like that, you know, I just,
0: it just that's puts a, me in a bad place. It's <laughs> never, that's a never win. You have the best antidote to this. It's my favorite three word sentence of late. It's good that's, for you. Yes. Tell yes. me, tell, tell us. You this all the things. brilliant.
1: Yes. Oh, it is so that that has been, because again, it's, I don't think that there's a cure for comparison. You're gonna mm-hmm. every time you open up, you have eyeballs. You're going to compare. That's just sort of the nature of the game,
0: right? Um, but I hate this, to bring this up, but Cain and I'm trying to think now. What's the earliest version of comparison? And what pops to mind is Cain and Abel. Cain says to you know God, well listen, how come you liked his better than mine? Right, and then he killed right, him. Right. So <laughs> I'm just trying trying to like let everyone's shoulders relax. We right. didn't we didn't invent this human no, impulse not with social a, media.
1: It's not a 2024 problem. No. You know, like unique to us, um, and but it so, does feel
0: heightened and really accessible
1: again because we just live on our phones. And we live there and that's what we're consuming. That's where we're getting all of our content from. And so it's just, it is, it's heightened. So for me, I've just adopted that little phrase, good for you. And not when you say it, it almost sounds like like I'm being sarcastic. I'm not, it's just yeah. like when you scroll and you see, you know, her and she's either, you know, oh, she looks the way I want to look, or she has what I ha- want to have, or she's funny. Like, I wish I was funny or her book just can't, like whatever it is, right.
0: fill in the blank. blank.
1: Yes, good for you. Good for you. And scroll on. If you can like it and go a step further and like it, do that. But just verbally, even say, good for you. And it just sort of like takes the power out of it. Mm. And it just reminds me, like, hey, it's great. Everybody is doing their thing. You can say, good for you and move on. And that really does sort of help me drop the measuring stick in that moment.
0: So good. So simple. So practical. Yes. We are going to face this 20 seconds after, you know, people turn off this podcast, they probably are holding their phone. And so just the idea of you aren't powerless here. We aren't powerless. Yes. We can decide um, to do what this a very smart man once said, which was to re- rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with yeah. those who mourn, like to step into that space saying, this is awesome for you. I'm so excited. Instead of doing my knee jerk, which is, oh my gosh. I haven't done that. I I would be I'd be doing better, a better parent, a better wife. I'd sell more books. I'd have like all. It's amazing how I fill in all of these gaps yes. with one tiny photo and a caption. What in the heck? That's a yeah. horrible idea. You mentioned that nothing kills comparison faster than confetti.
1: I love that line. I know. I know. And and I and I talk about I tell the story in this book, but I, the image I have in my mind is my youngest Rory when she was young she loves a party and she's, i mean she still loves a party but when she was young she would go to a birthday party and she would position herself beside like whoever's birthday it was yeah and she would <laughs> just like look at that girl with like this like ah and like oh my gosh it's your birthday that's it was awesome. just <laughs> singing her heart out and just so excited and that's the image i i see when i say like throw the confetti like if we could get to a place where like your good doesn't diminish anything about me. That's right. And that we can throw the confetti. I mean, I think that we would have a lot more peace in our life if that was our approach, that we could look at what you're doing and throw some confetti and have that sense of like that face like my daughter has at a party, and just like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting for you. Look, you're getting all these presents. Oh my goodness. I'm gonna throw some confetti. I just think peace and happiness would follow instead of that sense of dread and worry and angst about your place in this world.
0: Now, that's so well said. Um, I don't know that that's unique to middle age. I don't think you're saying that. I think actually this is a, it takes different shapes, this idea or the temptation to use comparison as the measuring stick. I think that takes different shapes throughout different seasons, but it does feel like you know, when you're hitting your forties, you're, I have noticed this even in my friend group that there seems to be this collective moment of we've gotten through a bunch of milestones, right? We've finished college. A lot of us, maybe grad school done the first years in our jobs. We have little kids. Aren't so neat aren't around anymore. People can tie their shoes. They're even brushing their teeth on occasion. And so I feel like there's this spot in the road in your forties, um, around midlife where we do kind of head on a swivel, start thinking, wait, okay. So I've been working, my head's been down, right. I've been working my tusher off now. What? So maybe is that why comparison in this stage feels, uh, maybe weightier? I don't know. I'm not sure. I was thinking that I, I feel like it's just heavier. I
1: think, um, things like you're, it is that you're like, well, I've done all these things. Why don't I have more to show for And this person has been on the map for four seconds and look at what all they have. Um, you know, or like, it's, it's easy to compare in parenting and you're going, well, their kids, sure. Like, I mean, they're all a students and they never do anything wrong. And then look at my kids, you know, it's just, that feels weightier, you know, like it's, we're, we're producing these humans that are supposed to like go out into the world and what if mine are just like in a ditch somewhere? Like, cause yeah. they don't even know how to pick up their towels off the floor, you totally. know, like what, if, what have I produced? Ever? Yeah. What, totally. what have I produced? And so it just feels heavier. I feel like the older you get, because again, your time is running out. I mean, you know, like, and so you feel the weight of that and you think, well, did I do enough? You know, I just think that's probably pays a Hard lot of off. reasons why.
0: One of the ways you suggest launching out of that, um, first you, I mean, just very practically speaking, just be ruthless in limiting the time you have on social media or on your phone. Or, I mean, obviously we put ourselves in the position to feel this way. Well, maybe we need to limit the time. Um, that's definitely a practice at our house more time. It's an endless feed. So there's never a time when your phone will say, don't you think you've had enough? Right. No. So you have to do that for yourself. But I love this idea of creativity launching you out of that kind of malaise. So talk to me about that, making things, creating things.
1: Yes. You know, and I had never thought about this or made this connection until I read The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. And she talks about comparison and perfectionism to kind of together and in that and and how creativity plays a role because creativity is really just our uniqueness. Like we are all creative beings. I think a lot of people think, "Oh, I'm just not creative." Like we're and I'm like, "No, no, no!" Like we that's just part of hardwiring into our humanity right. is being it's like creative. saying you don't
0: breathe, you do. Yes, yes. The, it, it might does. not. Yep.
1: It takes it different might, forms. Right. We've sort of narrowed down in our culture, what like creative, Oh, you're an artist, you are, you know, a painter or you're whatever. But I think that creativity can look very different. Um, you know, I think even like organizing things is creativity, you know, problem solving is creativity, all these things that have to use your brain to come up with some kind of like solution. Those are all creative things. And so if we can get to the point where, if we're stuck in that uh, comparison, We're looking at things, we're thinking we're alike, but I mean, you and I are both, you know, women, we're both authors, we're both moms. Okay, we have some alikeness, but we're, so you're like, oh, well then I guess I need to be just like Kimberly. I just need to be just like her. Instead of going that route, go, what muscle can I flex of my own uniqueness? And Mm -hmm. so I think that that helps us. We have to do that off of social media. When we can go, I'm gonna flex that somewhere. It reminds me that I'm unique. It reminds me that I'm like my own person. I bring something to the table that's uniquely mine. And I think that that helps curb some of that comparison. When we're exercising that muscle and enjoying that, it helps just remind us that, well, the world is bigger than what these two things that I'm looking at and comparing needs to be. So for me, like when I was knee deep and just a hard season of comparison and just feeling angsty with social media. Um, I took like a four month hiatus and I didn't even get on. I like fully removed it from my phone. Just didn't even go there. But I picked up like the ukulele and I've always been musical. I've loved music, but somehow as adults, we think we no longer need to do the creative things that we loved when we were kids. And I was like, I'm just going to like play this. And so instead of taking the time of scrolling for 30 minutes, I just, watched YouTube videos on how to play the ukulele. And it was, so you don't realize how much time we're giving to that comparison and scrolling when we could turn the dial on creativity, something that we loved to to do either as a kid or now, and just turn that dial up and see what happens and see how much less angst we feel if we've been turning up that dial instead of social media in comparison.
0: So good. You mentioned perfectionism that Brene Brown writes about that, and you say perfectionism is a defensive mode. I had not considered it in this way. So talk to me about that. How is perfectionism actually a defensive posture? I think it's we're looking to protect ourselves. So you know we're always on the the defense, like oh who's
1: coming at me? Like is somebody going to get me? Like are they going to see who I really am? Um, If I you know it's all a matter of really what others think. So if I can be perfect enough, then they will think this way about me. And so I'm going to put on perfectionism as like an armor and I'm going to wear it so that I don't actually get hurt. Maybe I'm not vulnerable enough so they can't actually harm me. And so we wear it as an armor just to protect ourselves from really being seen because then what if they really see us and they see that we're not perfect and then they don't like us or they don't. You know, want to be with us or they reject us. And so that's where how I've seen it play out in my own life of just I've got to be perfect. And so I'm going to wear it as an armor just so that I don't get hurt. Mm.
0: So how have you found freedom for that, or are how are you finding to be less yeah. held by that? <laughs> I know, gosh, it is I think the biggest piece for me, and it seems so
1: silly, is just an awareness of it. Like, oh, being aware. When I am, you know, I think with shame, we really can feel it in our body. We can, you know, for a lot of us, our heart races or we start breathing kind of faster. It can be, we can feel our faces, you know, all these things. And um, and when I sense that, like when I'm starting to worry, maybe it's my body is physically doing something or I can literally go, I'm like stressing out that, you know, if I did, I didn't do that just right. Do you think that I'm not gonna get acknowledged about this? Do I think that that's going to ruin this relate? Like I start spiraling in these ways, I've learned to be able to be aware of that, and I can flag and go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you thinking that if you've gained ten pounds, like people aren't going to like you? Okay, that's like we're 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 striving for perfection here, and we need to like be aware of that. So simply like journaling is is how i kind of like i have to verbally like say it out loud or write it down for it okay. to be aware like yep. for me to go i am acknowledging this mm-hmm. and so for me that's really been the biggest helpful step mm-hmm. is acknowledging when that is at play what it looks like for me personally when i put it on as an armor mm-hmm. to self protect and then i can see that and i write it down and just that alone helps me to go okay take a step back. Like,
0: what do we know to be true? Right. Right. This is what's
1: happening. Let's fact check it. This is what I know to be true. Um, and then, you know, I might still feel a little spirally, but at least I've acknowledged it and I can see when I'm wearing that as armor instead of just walking through life and constantly thinking I'm going to be loved more or valued more if I'm perfect.
0: Has learning to use that muscle changed how you parent teenagers?
1: Yes. I mean, I have, it, it's one of those where uh, I always feel like I'm practicing what my face says. Do you feel like that? You're like, oh, I need to goodness. practice what my face looks like. Um, totally. Yeah. Totally. So that, because again, our, our, we want to be defensive and we want to, we want them to not ever hurt and we want them to not ever mess up. And and sometimes it's out of sheer like I don't want them to hurt. And sometimes it's because, well, I don't want that to reflect on me. And so then I have to practice that constantly of okay, when you see something or when you hear something, what does your face say? Like let's communicate that it's okay to be imperfect. So even though you've been a classic perfectionist for so many years, we're gonna have to work on not putting that on your kids and you know, demanding that they're just as perfect, either to protect themselves or to protect my image of, right. as a mom. So I do feel like it. I'm again, I'm in that awareness piece. What is it when that when you start feeling that angst in you about it, fact checking it, being aware, fact checking it, and going, okay, like. Let's make sure my face is saying it's okay. It's okay that you you have a 69 in math. Okay, let's talk about that instead of just you <laughs> What's know, my face doing? Tell me more. <laughs> like tell me more about that 69 in math. What do we what's happening?
0: Hey everybody. I'm grinning as I say these next words because this announcement has been in the hopper for a very long time. I have a new book releasing April 23, 2024, and it's the result of many, many years of wondering and laughing and some crying too. The book is called Star for Jesus and Other Jobs I Quit, Rediscovering the Grace that Sets Us Free. If you are on the hunt for a book that is story-driven and that makes you laugh and cry and wonder again at what grace actually looks like in real life, this is the book for you. I wrote it for you. Star for Jesus, Another Jobs I Quit is available for pre order everywhere books are sold. Pre orders make an author's world go round and help that author keep writing books. So I hope you'll consider pre ordering a copy of Star for Jesus. Head to my website, KimberlyStewart.com, for all the details, including some sweet free gifts we'll send you when you pre order the book. Thank you for being my people. I am ever in your debt and will absolutely perform an interpretive dance in your honor when we see each other next. And now back to the conversation. Sarah, one of the other things you talk about, you've kind of wrestled with is at this time in life, the loneliness that can really descend on lots of folks I've I've definitely noticed this with friends who have moved during this time it's not the same as when you had play dates with kids parents a million times you don't talk there is no carpool lane well there is a carpooling but it's partly with you know 15 16 year old drivers right. so everyone's right. just hoping not to perish um this loneliness <laughs> that has I mean p- people talk a lot about the loneliness epidemic and I think you know post covid it's almost like we don't remember how, um, to do this very well. This, some of those, some of that is feelings is feeling clunky, the idea of friendship. So you talk about reaching out that just making a one effort to reach out is really what we do first. You cite this, um, university of Kansas study where the researchers found it takes 40 to 60 hours for casual friendship 80 to a hundred for friendship and more than 200 hours spent together for a good friend. Those are their monikers for these different groups. 200 hours, Sarah, that is a lot of time to feel like you're really close to someone. So do we just need more patience in this area? I mean, I read that number and I'm like, "Uh, ah, I do not have 200 hours to give to anything right now. So Tell us how can we rejoin the idea of rich friendships um, in a time where it feels like it's conspired, things conspire against us for that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I I read the same thing. I was like, oh, my God. Well,
1: on one hand, I was like, well, I'll never have a friend. No, but on Mm
0: -hmm. on the
1: other hand, it was it made me feel like, oh, okay. like it's no wonder you just moved to this city, you know, a few years ago. Like it's no wonder that you don't have the same level of friendships that you had at the place before. And so it kind of helped me to go, it's okay. It's okay. So I, I feel like I had both of those feelings about it. Um, but you know what? The other thing, and this is, goes back to that social media, you know, I don't know, we could pull up our social media right now and how many, you know, air quote friends do we have and you have, you know, maybe thousands of friends. And then on Facebook, you have, you know, another 1500 friends there. And, you, and you're and you like, oh, it's like this false sense of like, oh, but I have all these people that know me, but that's not true. And it makes us think that we really need like, a, you know, a bushel of friends, like we need all of these people. When in reality, we just need like, one or two, like, right. And so when it comes to you know, just choose to invest in someone and figure that out. Like for for me, I have as friends. This was before we moved to Tennessee, and uh, bef- so before COVID hit, the pandemic hit. You know, I had there was a group of four of us that were friends, all friends. We kids were in the same kind of genre of age, and we would do this, some similar things. And then when the pandemic hit, you know how you just kind of like gravitated towards you. Really, you couldn't do a lot with a lot of people, so just two of us started walking every Friday because you could you know, be six feet apart. You could do the whole thing. And we would walk for like three hours. And by walk, I mean like it was like a slow stroll because we're yeah. like, we don't want to go back into our house. So <laughs> let's just slowly <laughs> stroll around. And every Friday morning we met and walked. And then we both ended up moving away from that town in 2020. And we have kept up every week, it still says on my calendar, walk with Leslie, even though we're not actually walking together, but every mo- Friday morning we meet and we talk mm-hmm. on the phone. And mm-hmm. it's, it, that has been that investment. We are putting in those hours, putting in, you know, we've had over 200 hours of collective time together at this point, even though we're not even in the same city anymore. Right. So I think it's going, Who who can I just start building some collective hours with, because Mm. you don't need, you know, the the 17,000, you know, friends that you have online. It's not a a, rock
0: concert. It's a friendship. You just need a
1: couple. Yep. And so, you know, whether that's someone that you know, that you don't even live in the same city anymore, but you really get along and we're going to talk every week. Or if it's someone that does live here and you're like, I'm just going to start investing some time and putting in those hours. Um, I think that's really beneficial.
0: Well, I the verb you use is invest. And that yeah. I think that's where we get tripped up. And you said find someone in whom you can invest. So that's different from no one's calling me. Yeah. I'm not getting that's invited. Hard. I mean, yeah. we've walked want- through this with our kids too. That yeah. but I think adults do the same thing. Well, I didn't get invited. Well, maybe we invite then. Yes.
1: Right? Maybe and we, we want to be the ones getting invited. I totally. get it. That sometimes it just requires you having to be the one that right. initiates and right. that's hard and that's vulnerable.
0: That's scary. What if they say
1: no, you know, right. but
0: yeah, no, we I also love don't want to be lonely. Right. Um, I love just the idea of a Friday morning walk either yeah. together or separately. I mean, even just penciling that in, it's amazing. Again, we don't, we act like we have no time, but I think we, we could just you know, pick the lock a little bit and find time for ukuleles and friendships that would be much more fulfilling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be a helpful exercise to look at your day and maybe keep track of every day for a week. And where did I spend my time? How much time did I spend on Instagram? I was shocked at the amount of time I was spending on social media. Right. And how much time I all of a sudden had on my hands when I took that break. I was like, oh, what do I do with myself? This is a lot of time. You know, so I think that you could then look at that or build in, oh, I actually have time for a coffee or a walk or a drink or whatever once a week with a friend. Like I have one hour a week that I could give to that. Like, I think you would be surprised to find some time that you actually do have or some trades that you can make in your your time.
0: Right. Barter for the better thing. I think that makes sense. Um, sometimes I'm astonished at all the things, all the time at night, your subtitle is things that keep you up at night. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm astonished at all the reasons we can worry about our children and our families. And you address this in your book. You talk about this meme that made me snort laugh. It says, my son just got a face tattoo and he was breastfed go ahead and give the formula. It doesn't really matter what you do. That's a wonderful thing that you did to me that I quoted to my family. I'm wondering how you deal with worry for your family, because we talked about kind of some of the things that maybe are a little bit more self-focused. And I think apart from perfectionism and the worry about how our kids reflect us, this whole idea of all the things that are coming at your kids and my kids and our families all the time, that can keep you up at night. So how do you personally deal with that? If you wake up tonight at 3 a.m. and you're starting to spin out about Sinclair, yeah. what do you do? Yeah. So a lot of times I have to,
1: and this is just a real practical, I will tell myself, you can think about this tomorrow. A hundred percent. You don't have to think about this right now. Yep. Yep. And a lot of times that will help me. Sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes just giving myself permission to think about that tomorrow, like spend some time, if that's a really, if this is a really big thing, and and sometimes it is, sometimes it's usually really like things that matter. Then you know what? Give it some time tomorrow, sit with it in the daylight. You don't have to think about it right now. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing that that
0: sometimes works. I think your brain, there's actually some um, neuroscience research about this that I read that you can boss your brain around with that. You can say, I'm not forgetting it. I'm just, I'm not going to do it right now. I can't do it right now, but tomorrow we'll revisit. Yes. Or I'll write it down on a
1: post-it or send myself a quick email at 3 Mm a.m. And just so that I go, see, you're not going to forget it. Right. You, you you send it to yourself so you can think about it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that helps me to just sort of settle down super smart more about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's a great, just beginning for the next day. Typically for me, you mentioned sometimes those are really rough things that will feel just as weighty in the morning, but a lot of times they don't. A lot yeah. of times by morning, I think, oh, I think actually she has all she needs for that. She's going to figure it out. I don't need to figure exactly. it out for her. Yes. And sometimes it's
1: like, these are things like you I mean, it just needs some time and you don't know yet. And we're just, we're just kind of freaking out over the uncertainty of it. But I can't make any certainty come faster. So I just need to remember, we'll figure out, we'll see what information we have tomorrow and see what we need to do tomorrow. But right now, you have as much information as you have. And this is just where you are. Like, it just has to settle down a little.
0: Yep. Um, It feels like, this is my final question for you, Sarah. It feels like a lot of what you have learned in this stage and are learning about midlife comes back to the idea of remaining curious about yourself. Yeah. We are not static people. We are growing and the idea of growth shouldn't scare us. It does a little bit, but shouldn't. We should expect it and even welcome it. So one of the things you suggest in the area of being mindful that we are growing and changing, that we're not 20. That's actually a really good thing. You say (laughs) we should have more fun. In fact, you say we are living in a fun drought. So talk to me about that and what you do to break out of that rut. I don't know.
1: I just think that's universal. I think somewhere along the way maybe because we're so excited to grow up, you know, everybody's like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And you're like, we're like, I'm so excited to like figure my life out. And you're, you know, and then we get to that growing up part, those first steps, and we get so excited about our work and so excited about these other things that we just stop doing a lot of the things that were fun for us in a previous stage of life. Um, and then you become, you know, maybe you become a parent and you realize, I don't really have any time ever. And and the first thing to go is anything for yourself. And I think I'm realizing that we have to have fun. Like fun matters. Fun <laughs> helps keep us sane. It reminds us that we are still a unique unique human. And so I think the what I've realized in the last few years is even myself was in a fun drought. And not doing anything that I just thought was fun. Right. Maybe we collectively as a family thought that was fun. And that can work too. But what was what is Sarah find fun? Mm. And, and so I've, you know, started going to book clubs. I love books. I love talking about books. And that has been fun. I've gone back to playing tennis. That has been so fun. Like just to do something for myself for the sake of just fun has been so good for me to go. We need fun in our life. Yes, we need to work. Yes, we need to parent. Yes, we need to do these things. But we also need to remember that we need to have a little bit of fun along the way, that life is meant to be lived and enjoyed. And so find something that that, that is fun for you. I don't know what that is for everyone, but just find something. I, I say sometimes if you don't know anymore, because again, sometimes we get lost in who we are, think back to what you love to do growing up and start there. For me, I did. I loved playing tennis and I went back to it and I was like, oh yeah, this is so fun. I'm so competitive. I love running around. I love this whole thing. And I was shocked that I didn't play for over 20 years.
0: And just because I just
1: was like, no, I'm like an adult now. I don't have time for that. Like hobbies, like we don't do that anymore. No, like we need, we need fun.
0: My, I'm not going to blame my grandparents. Maybe this is just something I've heard growing up by older people. They would talk about frittering away your time. And I think I need to bring back the fritter. Yes, I do so. so, um, I feel too structured sometimes and too micromanaged on a 15, 30-minute increment basis. And when we get to be like that, we are not just missing out. I think actually it feeds other spaces. It feeds our creativity. It feeds us in other ways to fritter. So bring back the fritter. If we were doing hashtags, I'd say hashtag fritter. Yes. Well, again, it's like, I think
1: our culture uh, values achievement. And so we spend a lot of time being productive and achieving when sometimes you just need to have some fun and that should be on our list of things to do is just
0: have fun. Yeah. When you're looking for your Friday morning walk friend listeners, consider if, if that person will encourage you to have fun. Yes. I think that should be part of, of what we do for each other. Okay. Very, very final question. Sarah, okay. you mentioned your book club. We often yes. ask guests, um, a book nerd question, which is what are some books that you recommend? Either a book mm-hmm. that's been on the shelf for a long time or one that's, um, and, or one that's coming out that you can't wait to read. And I would like to specify this question in the area of fun. Okay. So. What is a book club book? So something you read just for fun for your book club, Yep, a book or two that you would recommend to our audience. How long do you have for this podcast? <laughs> um. That is the right answer.
1: <laughs> okay. So th- the book club pick for, let's see, we read it in February, I guess, end of January, early February. We're about to discuss it in like a week. Um, and I loved it was okay. First Lie Wins.
0: First I don't even, Lie Wins. Yes. Do you know the author? I don't know the
1: author. Okay, I'll look I mean, it up. We'll put yes, it in the it show notes. I think it was like the Reese Witherspoon book club pick for okay. January. Okay. It was great. It was one Dang. of those like, um, I mean, it's not a thriller, so it's not like scary, but it's one of those like, oh,
0: who, Domestic you know, suspense.
1: What's Yeah, like what's yeah. going on here? Like, and there were twists and turns and things I didn't see coming. And so I loved that one.
0: Great. That was great recommendation. Really, yeah.
1: That was a great okay. one.
0: Okay, any others over the years? One more. Hit us okay, with one, one more, more book club, lady. Okay, one more. And then the book club pick before that
1: was The Housemaid. Okay. Which was also sort of, it was a little bit more thriller, like who done it and what okay. is going on. And there were some twists in that one that, and it's not like scary, like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to sleep. But it, cause I don't yeah. like this. I'm like, don't, no, we're already we're, dealing I, I, I'm, with I'm, being uh, up. Yeah. I'm okay. already waking up. I don't need yep. another reason to do. Um, I don't <laughs> need to worry about the, you know, this girl in the housemaid character. I don't no. need to worry. About her. Um, <laughs> and so
0: that was another
1: really fun read. Okay. Was that one?
0: Great. Yeah. Two great recommendations. We'll yes. put all the info in the show notes. Sarah Bragg, thank you for joining me on For Real. Thanks for writing a great book. And thanks for helping us know what in the world to do at 3 a.m. when our brains don't shut off. Goodness. Thank you for having me. I always love chatting with you. The night we recorded this conversation, I peppered the people at my kitchen table with questions about what they love, what they're into these days, what hobbies and interests they might brush off as a sort of rebellion against busyness and growing older. I asked Mark if he would consider playing pickleball with me sometime soon. Listen, I realize I will likely live to regret that question. I also sat down at the piano that night and played some Beethoven as my own little reminder to myself to remain curious about what brings me joy, what I sometimes neglect with all my other responsibilities, and when I do that, I miss out on the good stuff. I hope you seek out the good stuff today. Banish the fun drought that Sarah and I talked about, no matter the season of your life. When you get a chance, will you follow Sarah Bragg on the socials and order a copy of her book, Is Everyone Happier Than Me? We need some good advice on the late night questions that seem to rise up at about 3am. And while you're doing kind things for authors and podcasters, will you take a second to review for real three words like, I love it, and stars to reflect that love. That's the kind of gift that helps other people find us and helps us keep doing this delightful work thank you. That's it for today. Friends come back soon for good conversations among friends for real.